Hey, great news. Big progress in Major League Baseball's talks with the Players Association. No, there wasn't. Not at all. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Around midday, once the first serious negotiation between the owners and players had occurred in quite a while, word emerged, of course, from the union to all of their brethren, and I'm using the term appropriately, in the National Baseball Writing Community, and it was portrayed universally, at least at that hour, as some awesome thing. Only a couple of details had emerged at that point, but one of the details, and this was reported by Yahoo Sports, was that there would be another session tomorrow. So between the information that had been leaked and then the fact that there would be another meeting tomorrow, this all seemed really, really good. Now, the information that was leaked made it sound like the players had made some magnanimous concession by agreeing that, no, in fact, they're not going to press for players to become free agents sooner than six years, which the owners never, ever, 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 ever were going to bend on. And remember, they set the work rules. And the other one was that the players who had insisted in their previous proposal that owners reduce, underscoring the word here, reduce the amount of revenue sharing that goes out to lower revenue teams by $100 million. Now they only want it to be reduced by $30 million. I mean, that's some significant generosity there. As if the owners, meaning the overwhelming majority of them, not just the teams like the Pirates that are spending way too little under any circumstance, but as if the owners across the board were going to be okay with a cut in revenue sharing because the union run de facto by Scott Boris is only worried about the amount of money that the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and a handful of other teams can spend. So to Scott's way of thinking, if those teams hang on to more of their revenue sharing money, that's more money that'll magically make it to the players. Instead of just accepting the very obvious solution that exists of a salary cap system. A cap system, for anyone who's new to this show, involves both a ceiling and a floor. Never has to be said, although I just said it anyway. In the owner's very first proposal, and not again, at least not to our knowledge, they suggested a $180 million luxury tax top, $100 million salary floor. Players rejected this. Why? I have no idea other than to say Boris is at the helm. And he himself is philosophically opposed to anything that looks or feels like a cap. 
because dot, dot, dot. He has all the money in the world. He doesn't need to worry about his own future. He's certainly not worried about any middle-class baseball players who have seen their salaries slashed over the last six years. And in fact, the only ones that have gone up have been those of Bryce Harper, Trevor Bauer, and a handful of others along the way. Max Scherzer, that group. They've made significantly more money at the very top end. In the middle, it's gone down precipitously. You don't hear the Players Association talking about that, though. Nope. Everything continues to be about the top end. Why do the players go along with it? Oh, my goodness. How do you even explain that? You know, there's a culture that's built into that union that you just go along with everything. If not, you'll be an outcast from the union. You'll be treated like a scab forever and ever the way Keith Osick was. It's a mind meld in a lot of ways. If these players ever saw the facts about how much more money they'd make in a cap system, ah, I still don't know if they'd change their minds. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. So, not surprising to me at all, as the day went along, the portrayals of this meeting yesterday became grimmer and grimmer with each additional detail that emerged, to the point that some of the same reporters who'd earlier in the day started with the kumbaya stuff wound up using phrases like contentious, acrimonious to describe the talks and said that in particular that the owners were displeased, very displeased with what had come back from the players, and in fact, had made clear to the players for the first time, at least verbally, that they're running the risk of losing games this year. Understand that players don't get paid for spring training. You get paid in baseball the same as you do in any other sport on a prorated basis based on games played. So the players don't start losing money until March 31, the date that the first games are supposed to happen. I can promise you that the owners didn't broach this subject because they thought to themselves, man, what a great counterproposal the players came back with. I mean, that's something we can really work with here. Nothing about competitive balance has been addressed by the players with one exception, and this also came in their counterproposal yesterday, and it was to institute a draft lottery to discourage teams from tanking. I am not here to suggest that teams don't tank. I'm not here, certainly, to suggest that the Pirates didn't do that upon hiring Ben Charrington. Theirs was a classic, obvious, right-out-in-the-open tank. And to date, 
for the purposes of what the pirates themselves are trying to achieve, it's been successful, in that they've added a significant amount of younger talent through various means. Why are the pirates adopting this heinous approach? Well, one, the owner is cheap. Never confuse my calls for a salary cap with justifying nutting suspending behavior. He's cheap. He's cheap at everything. He's not just cheap in baseball. He's cheap in life. It's who he is. Everyone's got a different personality. That happens to be his. Two, which also happens to be true, is that the Pirates don't have anywhere near the actual revenue stream that those other teams that I mentioned earlier do. And therefore, the system itself is broken. It's grossly imbalanced. It's to the point where there are teams spending $200 million more than other teams. They're literally just buying people's players away. And it's not just in Pittsburgh where there's a cheap owner, and it's not just where there are cheap owners. It's everywhere. The sport and its economics are broken from a competitive standpoint. How anyone could even concoct an argument against this blows my mind. It's simple freaking math that's right in front of you. If anything, yesterday's developments give me more encouragement than I've had throughout this process that the owners are serious about addressing competitive balance. If the players want the Pirates and the Orioles and the Rays and everyone else to spend up to $100 million, then put your money where your mouth is and agree to a cap-type system. Because that will force the Pirates and the Orioles and the Rays and everyone else to spend at a level that will enrich your wallets as players. My God, enough with the groupthink. When we come back, just one question. Adam in Youngstown, who asks, in layman's terms, what would it take to convince the players that a cap system is in their best interest in the long run? What revenue split with the owners do you think would get them to budge? How do they convince enough middle-slash-lower-income guys to agree? Adam, I appreciate the spirit within which you clearly are asking this question. But you, and I'm saying this respectfully, have no idea the degree to which these players have been sold by this union, by this chief executive, Tony Clark, and by their real chief executive, Scott Boris. You have no idea the work that they put into this year-round to have these players believing that a cap is just the, the end of all things for them. If you think that the players have been shown by their union leadership the degree to which a cap system, and once more in this segment, I'm going to throw in there that involves a ceiling and a floor and expanded revenue sharing in every such system because you have to mandate that teams can't go all cheap like the Pirates. 
just as you have to make sure that they have the funding in order to spend within that system so you cap the top and have that money move its way down. Every player who is in a middle class or a lower class in a cap-type system benefits from that system. The only separation, the only distinction when it comes to player pay is at the very, very top of the scale. And even then, by the way, throwing this out there parenthetically, the very top of the scale in the NFL and the NBA in cap systems is uh, pretty generous, even compared to the upper crust of baseball. They do pretty well there. Why wouldn't any player speak up about this? Why wouldn't any player even dare going to union leadership and asking about something like this? You'd have to be around the baseball culture. And by that, I'm talking about inside clubhouses and dealing with agents and so forth, which I've been for the better part of my adult life, to know why. Not one, not one player would do this, even, I believe, with an outgoing personality and renegade-type personality like Trevor Bauer. And I'm talking about before all of Bauer's other off-field problems, whenever he was mouthing off at everybody and mouthing off at Boris on his Twitter account and so forth. Bauer was the type who could get away with something like that. I don't think even he would have touched this with a 10-foot pole. You become completely ostracized. So there's no education to be had here. You can even throw into the mix that whatever it is that these guys read about negotiations like yesterday and so forth come from these same national baseball writers that are getting all of their information from those same people, from their execs, the union execs. It's so easy in large part because it's correct to paint the owners as just these fat cats who are looking to money grub and whatever else here, which is one of the many reasons I keep stressing here. I'm not pulling for the owners. I couldn't care less about the owners. I'm pulling for an equitable system that helps renew interest in baseball in markets like Pittsburgh. And the best, clearest path to that is a salary cap type system. The Only the owners would ever be in favor of that. That's the only reason I talk like this. It has nothing to do with, oh, you want to make the owners richer. I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. One direction or the other. But it's a really easy sell for anyone to paint the owners as villains to the players. Again, because it's, I'm sure, correct in almost every case. And if their thought process never gets much deeper than that, that's that's the answer to your question. I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. I had promised that I would spend today's show kind of previewing the Hall of Fame selection that will actually happen tonight at 6 p.m. on MLB Network and then this thing happened and I went this way instead. Maybe we'll talk Hall tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe this negotiation will take over. Barry Bonds will still have been a cheater by the time the episode's over either way. <laughs>